Welcome to The Milk Monologues, a collection of stories where everyday Kiwi whanau share their journeys of how they fed their babies during the first year. Every mother, father and caregiver has a story to tell when it comes to infant feeding, just like that of birth. A baby needs milk to survive and as a new parent you often don't know what to expect when it comes to feeding. How you end up doing this can differ from family to family. We are a judgment-free, inclusive of all types feeding podcast. Our aim is to share the stories of infant feeding to empower and provide a platform to share insights, challenges and achievements as families navigate the journey of feeding their baby. A reminder before we begin that these are personal stories and that midwives, lactation consultants and GPs can be an invaluable part of your support network. You should always talk to a trusted medical professional and seek advice before making any changes that affect the health of you and your baby. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Today on the podcast, we have Beck. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming to share the story of your four beautiful babies. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. I can't wait to hear more. So first of all, tell us about your family. There is um, my husband, Anthony, and then we've got a six-year-old, Macy. We've got four-year-old identical twin girls, Penelope and McKenna, and then we've got our little surprise, George, who is 10 months. Awesome. And the question that we ask everyone at the beginning of the podcast is, what did you know about feeding babies before you had one? Um, Well, I thought that I knew quite a lot, but I actually knew nothing. So I just assumed that you would have a baby. And then my mum had said to me, on day three, your milk will come in. And so I was expecting that. And my sister-in-law had fed her babies for over a year. So that's what I was expecting. But um, that is not how it is at all. And then so tell us about your first daughter, Maisie, and how she came into the world and how that went with you for feeding in the first week. So Macy was born, um, we lived in Perth in Australia, and she was born at 34 weeks. We had quite a complicated pregnancy with her. I had lots of um, things going on in the pregnancy. Um, And one of them was that she just wasn't growing. And so from 24 weeks, she just didn't grow very well. And um, so they ended up um, doing an emergency C-section at 34 weeks. And so uh, she was delivered and then shown to us very quickly and then taken down to the NICU. Um, And then I didn't see her for about 14 hours and went down and um, saw them settle her in and all that sort of stuff. Um, But then, yeah, I was sort of taken up to the ward and I didn't see her till he got back to the hospital the next day. So, yeah, it was a bit of a traumatic entrance into (laughs) being parents. Yeah, absolutely. And I can totally empathize with how hard that was. My first was born at 31, maybe just on 32 weeks. So I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 Awful. Mm. So yeah. So how did you, when you were able to see her, how did you guys get on? Um, Yeah. So they just took us down. um, And at that stage, she was in the NICU. The NICU she was in was the biggest in the Southern Hemisphere so there was like 84 beds or something in this NICU it was absolutely huge and they were all split into different levels so she was in the the NICU level to start with and they took us down and 
we got to sort of like put our hands in and touch her and everything, but we weren't able to hold her yet. But she was doing really well. She didn't, um, they knew that she'd be born early. So they gave us steroids, um, gave me steroids. And um, she was breathing on her own. She was just hooked up to lots of tubes and all that sort of stuff, um, monitoring her and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you had her, obviously an emergency caesarean can be really rushed and sometimes it can be hard because they're really focused on you, keeping you well and keeping the baby well. So did anyone talk to you about expressing after your caesarean? Um, so they didn't say anything after the caesarean. She was born at about 10.35. And so they took me up, um, they took me to recovery and then took me to the ward and that was kind of it. And then the next morning, it was pretty early, maybe about seven or something, the nurse kind of like wheeled in this um, breast pump on wheels. And I was like, oh, my God. And then she sort of came in. She said, this is the double breast pump that you're going to use to collect the milk. You hold these cups to your breast and you pump for 20 minutes. And then she showed me how to like scoop the milk. She was like, you'll have to collect the milk if you don't want to waste a drop so you scoop it up like this and then it will fall back into the bottles and that's for your baby and I took that all on board but then when I went to do the scoop thing I don't know what I did but I dropped it and I spilt all of the first lot of milk and I cried and cried and cried it was awful <laughs> oh my gosh I bet so um they didn't talk about hand expressing instead of using a pump so early on no <laughs> nope, they never mentioned hand expressing. They just brought in this Medela pump and and that was it. And that was, you know, every every three hours you need to use this pump and you collect the milk in here. It went into these little tubes, which um, I had to put a sticker on with my name and everything. And that there was a milk room just um, a couple of rooms down from my room. So I had to go and put them in with the milk room. Um, and it was such a minimal amount of milk. I couldn't, I was like expecting it to be more than that, but it was like just a few mils. So you felt ridiculous carrying down these things and putting them in and it had like smells in it or something. Yeah. And so did it stay that way for long? Um, it actually was very slow to come in. So when she was a couple of days old, they, um, approached us about using donor milk because they were a bit concerned that my milk wasn't coming in quick enough and so we ended up signing um, some forms to say that yes we were happy for her to have donor milk but then I think I don't know if that was the kicker but my milk did start increasing a bit then it was still quite a small amount but um, it was enough to feed her so I, we didn't need the donor milk in the end um, which was good because I used to feel really inadequate when I'd go down and put my milk in the fridge and I'd have like these tubes with tiny amounts in and there was like giant like cream you know the big 500 ml cream bottles full of milk that other women had been dropping in there and I was like why don't I have milk like that but I think that those babies had been in there a lot longer than Macy had so yeah. Yeah, that's really hard. And we, and I know when you breastfeed, you don't see how much your baby's eating and you certainly, you're not standing next to someone else and doing it at the same time. So yeah. when you're in NICU and you're lining your bottles up in the freezer next to someone else's, it can definitely feel a bit um, hard at times to see that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So how was feeding in the NICU for you guys? 
Um, so at first they did all of it. So we just kind of watched them when they would, um, that, so Maisie had an NG tube um, going into her nose, which went into her stomach and they would put it in a syringe and then it would slowly drip in. Um, and um, I had asked them quite early on, I think the first day when I first held her, if I could try breastfeeding, but they pretty much said, no, she's too little. She's too young. She was very little. She was, um, 15, 70 grams. So she was like the size of a 30 weeker, even though she was um, 34 weeks. Yeah, they pretty much said no. So I was just, I was so stubborn though that I just kept asking and asking and asking. Um, and eventually I got a good nurse one day who was like, okay. <laughs> and she, she let me try. And how was that first experience? Um, it was amazing. Like I was so, it was just so lovely. And I felt like she, latched on really well and we were just like oh my god look how tiny she is because I don't I'm not very big breasted but her head compared to my breast she looked so tiny and we've got these pictures of her the first time she said and stuff and it was just so amazing because I was um it was the one thing I was really really looking forward to about being a mum and I had been quite um not closed off to the idea of formula feeding or anything but I was so adamant that I wanted to breastfeed and I it became quite a um, real focus of mine. Um, so I was so excited to, you know, get her on there and get her feeding. Um, and yeah, it was, it was strange though, because they came over and they gave me a nipple shield and I'd never even seen a nipple shield in my whole life. And they gave me this nipple shield and said, this is your shield. When it's time to feed the baby, you put the nipple shield on and that's what you do when you're finished. You rinse it under a tap, put it back in the, in the container and that's it but no one actually showed me how to put it on so or gave me the correct size because there's lots of different sizes and everyone needs a different size and so um I, they just gave me the shield I put it on and then fed her and thought it was going fine but actually the shield was on completely wrong and it was completely the wrong size and that is just like the start of the end for me <laughs> with the feeding Oh no, can you tell us about kind of what happened next, I guess? Yeah, so as we, she sort of progressed through the different areas of of um, the NICU, we ended up, um, she got transferred to a, ho a hotel, a hospital <laughs> closer to us where we were living. Um, and everything was going really well. She was, um, you know, doing her feeds. I was having, finally having good milk. I'd started some domperidone to increase my milk supply and so you know we felt like things were going pretty well and then um, she was taking bottle feeds as well so I would express the milk and we would give it to her on a bottle just to build up her um, sucking reflex because she was only really able to feed a couple of times a day off me and for really short bursts so um, then they do these bottle feeds in between to build up that reflex um, and then she was ready to come home when she was um, just over three and a half weeks old and it was the day before and I went to a cafe with a friend and they were both due to have there was two of them and they were both due to have babies um, the same time that I was due with Macy and they were asking me about the breastfeeding and what it felt like and they were like oh does it hurt and I was like no not really and then they were asking about like what your boobs feel like you know, just all the time. And I said, oh yeah, they are kind of sore sometimes. And I hadn't really thought about it before, but I was sitting there and thinking, oh, my, my boob does feel a bit sore. 
and I didn't think anything of it. And then I went afterwards to see Macy in the NICU and um, I feed her and my left boob was quite sore and um, still so naive, didn't think anything of it. And then on the way home from the NICU, my mum had come over to Australia and she was driving me and I said, oh, I'm just not feeling um, that great. Like my legs are a bit achy and I just feel a little bit sore and um, I just felt really run down. And by the time we got home, I felt even worse. And we only lived 15 minutes from the hospital. So I'd gone downhill really quickly and I just felt rubbish. And um, then when Ant came home, he, we went back into the NICU because that was our routine. We'd go every night to sort of like put Macy to bed sort of thing. And um, I had I mentioned to the nurse that's how I was feeling. And she was like, oh, it sounds like you might have mastitis. You know, you're probably best to go and be seen. So we went down to the their version of the A&E in the hospital. And I was seen by a doctor and sure enough, he was like, yes, I definitely think you've got mastitis. And so he started me on some antibiotics, which is just the standard flu, whatever that one is. I can't remember what it's called. Um, and, and that was it. So I was like, yep, I'll be fine. Went home, took my antibiotics, had a really, really crap night, um, just fevers and feeling rubbish. And in the morning, I just felt like death like I felt horrible and it was so sad because it was the day she was coming home and I wanted to be really really excited and you know she was coming home but I just felt crap and um by the time we got to the hospital I just felt even worse and we sort of you know went through the motions of discharging her and everything and that was all lovely and exciting and then got her home and I sort of settled her in put her in her bassinet and then I just went and sat on the couch and just lay there feeling sorry for myself it was so awful mum and aunt were like standing over the bassinet gooing and gowering over her and I was just like oh yeah cool <laughs> over in the corner um and so then um we decided that I just wasn't getting any better so aunt took me back to the A&E and um, they took my temperature and it was really high and they could see that I was really not well. So they ended up taking me around and um, hooking up some fluids and doing some um, intravenous antibiotics for me. Um, and then, so that was that. And then I went home and just got sicker and sicker. And by the time I woke up the next morning, I was having like 40 degree temps. I was really, really ill. So they took me back to the hospital and decided to admit me. Um, and so they just did more intravenous drugs and I was vomiting. It was, I was very sick. And all the while Macy is kind of like with mum and with aunt and like being <laughs> taken wherever she needs to go. But I think she ended, I can't actually remember, but I think she ended up staying at home with mum and mum just gave us some of my express milk and I was kind of expressing in the hospital and everything uh, and then so the next day I think my temperature had come down so I had these um I had this doctor come around and she was like oh do you mind if I bring in a couple of interns and I was like yeah that's fine and then the next minute like eight interns came in and she stood there in the door and was like do you mind just showing us your breasts and I was like okay so like showed my breast to this whole group of people and she was like, okay, we're going to send you home now. And I just felt 
so shit that I was like, really? Are you really going to send me home? But anyway, she was the doctor and that was that. So she sent me home and I went home and still feeling like crap. Every time I had to feed Macy or to express, I just died. Like it was just so excruciating. And that night, Ant was like, this is not okay. Like you are not well. And he took me back to the hospital again and was pretty much like, she needs to be admitted and you need to do something about it because she's not better. I'd been on these antibiotics for three or four days and nothing had happened. Um, so they ended up looking into my chart and being like, okay, that antibiotics aren't working. We need to find something else. So then they started me on something else. By this time, when I was expressing, like green pus was coming out, big long strings of pus. Like It was just horrendous. I was so, so sick. They had my chart permanently on the, um, on the I don't know, the desk bit where the doctors keep all the charts. It had like a big red sticker across the top. And they ended up coming in and telling me that I was like a day away from ending up in ICU. I was the sickest person there. So that was great. And, um, and anyway, finally, they um, ended up speaking to some doctors in Sydney and um, these doctors had suggested putting me on this really heavy-duty drug that needed to be signed off by all these people called clindamycin. And that's what they put me on. And that's what worked. Um, but by that time, I'd had abscesses in my boobs. My milk had pretty much completely dried up. I'd had a lactation consultant in there who had been getting me to feed Macy in all these strange positions, like lying on the bed with her up over my shoulder to try and clear the lumps and everything and just nothing had worked um, and they sent a therapist in to see me because they were worried about my mental health because I was just not coping like it was just so awful and um, ended up talking to her and the lactation consultant and we just kind of all decided that I needed to stop feeding her because it was just I was so sick and so that was a really, really hard decision for me. Like they didn't force me into it at all, but um, it was a decision that I made myself, but it was really, really, I was so sad. Um, and they, like the next day after I'd made the decision, they brought around some formula and I gave Macy this bottle of formula. And there's a photo of me sitting there feeding her with like tears running down my like it was a really really it even makes me sad thinking about it now like it was a really hard hard moment absolutely and I'm sure you wouldn't make that choice <laughs> under different circumstances no exactly yeah. exactly yeah. but yeah you've but, got to look after yourself first and yeah be there for your baby yeah yeah definitely but yeah after that we I was finally better and we went home and um actually the day that I got home my mum flew back to New Zealand and my husband's parents arrived in Perth and so then my mother-in-law was amazing and helped me set up um, the formula routine because she had um, formula fed her first child and so she was like oh we used to have a jug in the fridge with the boiled water cold ready to go and then we'd have the bottles all set up and so she helped me with everything with that and we got this really amazing bottle routine going and Aunt ended up doing lots of the night feeds at the start because I was just so um you know tired after being so sick um and yeah I just kind of I pumped maybe once a day just to 
wean off any last remaining milk that I had but within a couple of weeks she was you know fully fully formula fed and and that was it that was our new routine yeah yeah it sounds like you're lucky to have some tips from people who <laughs> knew that had been there and done that did you have any yeah. trouble picking a bottle or anything to use um I had bought um the bottles that I'd used, I, I'm an early childhood teacher, so I just picked the bottles. I picked closer to nature because I thought they looked the most like a breast. <laughs> and I was like, if I'm going to mix feed, then, you know, it'll be the good one to go with. So I picked those and, and she just took straight to them, which was good because in the, um, in the NICU, they use quite a different shaped teat and everything. But, you yeah, know, we didn't have any trouble. She was great. That's all good. And then she stayed on bottles and formula right through till when? <laughs> yeah, so um, she, we ended up, when she was about six months old, we noticed that she had this really funny barking cough all the time. And it sounded, it was a horrible, like, choke. And it always sounded like she couldn't breathe. So we ended up taking her to the doctors and um, she did a few tests and things and she diagnosed her with silent reflux. So it wasn't like a typical silent reflux where she was, you know, like in lots of pain, but it was coming up and making and, you know, aggravating her throat and making her choke. So um, we ended up switching her to an AR formula um, and that's kind of quite thick. You've got to chop a little hole in the top of the teat to get to get it through um and yeah so she stayed on that till she was maybe one and then after one she um was on just we put her back on a normal formula until she weaned off it and yeah that was that was her um and so I'll just add in that when she was uh, about seven months old I got quite severe postnatal depression I just noticed that I was feeling really flat all the time and every time I would just think about everything that had happened I was just so sad and I was also really like wrapped up in just me and Macy and I was not really noticing anything else that was going on around me um, and I just remember this one day having a shower and standing and she was in the little bouncer thing in the bathroom with me and I was just washing my hair looking at her crying and I was like this is not normal like I shouldn't be this sad all the time and so I ended up reaching out um, to a, a therapist who specialized in postnatal stuff um, and ended up going and seeing her um, and she diagnosed me with post-traumatic stress disorder um, which is quite common after having a preemie baby um, and also um, postnatal depression as well um, and I ended up going on some medication to help me and then I had this regular therapy where we talked about lots of stuff especially the feeding and just how I felt like I'd really let myself down and let her down and and sort of worked through all of that and eventually I came to a point where I was able to talk about it and and not cry every time um, yeah, it took a long time. <laughs> yeah, of course. And it is, it really can be a traumatic experience. And I'm so glad that you um, have shared that so openly with us that, you know, for you, it was really hard and it did affect you for a long time. And I think if more people talked about it, then we'd be more inclined to say to each other, 
it's okay and yeah you you have every right to be upset about it and it's okay to be carrying that and it's okay to talk to people about it yeah yeah I'm such a big believer that it's okay to not be okay like it's I just think it's something that's not talked about enough people need to just be open and talk about it and it's it's so normal to to not be okay you know it's not abnormal so yeah I, I just think it's really important to if you don't feel right go and speak to someone or at least speak to a friend or something like that you know like just get it off your chest yeah absolutely and then so after Maisie you had twins yeah so <laughs> when she was uh just over 18 months old we found out we were pregnant again um and we went for an early dating scan at six weeks and as soon as they put the little thing on we saw there was two babies in there it was very obvious so that was a bit of a shock because they don't run in our family or anything they were a complete surprise um and yeah we had been going we went through a private obstetrician we were very glad that we had made that decision when we found out that it was twins yeah yeah so did that pregnancy go well or did you end up in NICU again um, I did. It, it went much better than hers. I was. Um, I still had a few of the same issues. So I get a low platelet disorder when I'm pregnant, which is one of the reasons why the babies are small. Um, but I didn't get preeclampsia, and um, the babies they were born at 36 weeks, and they were a lot bigger than Macy was. They were still little, but they were a lot bigger than she was. Um, I had hoped for a be back with them but um after an hour of pushing I ended up in another c-section because one of the twins got stuck and then once one gets stuck they're both stuck so, um so yeah so I had another c-section with them but it was very different because um they weren't whipped away straight away they were um they were with me and they were both doing really well breathing and all that sort of stuff so um they were able to stay with us and came through into recovery with me which was quite a different experience from the last time. Yeah, so did you get to do skin to skin with them quite quickly? Um, I didn't get to do skin to skin with them, um, mm. but I was able to hold one of them and then mm. Ant held the other one. Yeah. Um, and then when they took us into recovery, that was when it was kind of like, oh, this is so weird because um, they had the midwife there put Penelope on my boob and then hand expressed milk from my other boob to syringe feed McKenna. So it was quite, um, you felt very, I felt very like manhandled. It was a very strange experience. I wasn't quite expecting it to be like that. Yeah. And if you've had some, you know, traumatic experiences in the past with feeding to then maybe go through something like that as well so quickly so soon <laughs> and there's already a lot of emotion building then yeah I could absolutely see why that would have been like hard for you yeah yeah I think too like uh, it was a very long lead up to having them and then I was in labor for like 24 hours and then I they just pump you through pump you full of so much drugs when you have a c-section that I think you're just I was so out of it as well that I was kind of like, I felt really spaced out and I didn't really know what was going on. It was just bizarre. It was a very bizarre experience. And then once we'd come out of recovery, they took us through to the ward. And once again, I'm like in this room completely topless while 
I'm hand expressing um, the colostrum while a nurse is collecting it from a syringe. And then my brother-in-law walked in the room. Like, it was just so crazy. <laughs> um, I'll add, too, that with the twins, because of what, with Macy having low supply, I um, collected some colostrum antenatally from 34 weeks. So um, I ended up with about 60 mils or something like that, which I took in with me. And then um, those first couple of days we were, or probably just the first day actually, we were using it to sort of give them top-ups. That's great. Did your obstetrician show you or tell you how to hand express the colostrum? No, I had finally learned to hand express with Macy when I saw the lactation consultant when I had the mastitis. She showed me how to hand express. um, And then I kind of brought it up with the obstetrician and they were like, oh, okay. They thought it was a bit weird, but I was doing it. (laughs) Fair enough. It's all about informed choice. Yeah. And then did you try to breastfeed both the twins? Um, Yeah, so um, once we were in our own room, I ended up trying to feed them and they seemed to go okay. I'm very lucky that my cousin is a midwife and she was um, going to be my postnatal midwife. So she came up to the hospital the day they were born and showed me some really good techniques for feeding because I didn't actually get a lot of that with Macy. They didn't show me all that sort of stuff. So she was amazing and showed me like some good ways to do the hamburger hold and all that sort of stuff and get the babies on. Um, and they seemed to be going okay, but then the next day, once again, I got really low colostrum, and so they ended up putting a tube in them, and um, we had to do some formula top-ups, um, and that was kind of the start of the low supply journey with them again too. So um, I had also asked the day that they were born if I could have a pump. I'd said to them, you know, I had really low supply last time and blah, blah, blah. But they were like, no, you don't need a pump until day three. And so they wouldn't give me a pump. Um, so I had to hand express, which was fine. So I ended up hand expressing a bit for them. But um, by day three, it was like dire, like there's no milk coming out sort of thing. So they ended up sending a lactation consultant Um, and to see me and she showed me this video which was about um, pumping and then to get more out of your milk so while you pump you massage your breast and then it helps you get more milk and everything and so that was kind of the new routine Um, and my first pump I did I got 0.4 mils like such a small amount of milk it was crazy so I was really worried that it was just not going to happen I was like oh my god what happens if I like ruined them last time and then they're not going to work this time so yeah then it was just I spent 11 days in the in the hospital with the twins trying to build up my supply and by the time I went home I think I was getting 40 mils you have been amazing like you have persevered through so 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 much like I'm very stubborn (laughs) (laughs) you probably need to be to counteract twins (laughs) yeah so um after 11 days I I went home I'd asked to go home because I felt like if I went home I'd maybe get better milk and everything I was just so sick of being in the hospital and they were fine um we were giving them Um, So I was feeding them five minutes each and then they were having a bottle top up 
um, with formula or expressed milk, whatever I could get out really. Um, and then, so yeah, we went home and I did notice that as soon as I went home, my milk supply did increase a bit and I started some Domperidone and that definitely helped as well. Um, and then I just did a bit of research into some natural ways of doing it and that's when I discovered brewer's yeast. And so I started having um, smoothies every morning with brewer's yeast in them and I just put so much random stuff in there. Like I think I threw like some dried fenugreek in them sometimes. Like I just, anything I could find that was like to increase breast milk, I was throwing there. And that was when I really noticed that I increased my supply was doing that. And by this time they were about two or three weeks old. Um, and yeah, so I was getting still not huge amounts. I had enough milk for one baby. Um, so they were still having formula top-ups and we were doing, we sort of started this routine where they would have the formula through the night so that I could just focus on pumping in the night because our routine went, and this was for three months, our routine went feed one baby, feed the other baby, top up a baby, top up the other baby, then I would pump, then I would wash the pump, and then I would start again. And that was our routine for three months. And that was like 24-7, right through the night, everything. So yeah, I'd do this pumping at like 2 a.m. at 4 a.m. because I would get the most milk then. I could get like 160 mils and that was like amazing for me to get that much um, in the night. So yeah, poor Ant, twins is a two-person job. So there's not like, it's not where you can just have the mum getting up. It was both of us getting up to them two or three times a night and doing the feeds. And they took forever to drink a bottle. They would take probably 40 minutes to drink a bottle so you're up for a long time and then you add the pumping onto it as well it was very exhausting mm. yeah and you i had to like keep a log of everything because i would like and i'd started out feeding them just five minutes each and then it increased to 10 minutes and then it was 15 and eventually it got to about 20 minutes or something but I would have to make sure that I didn't just feed one baby on one side and one baby on the other side. So I had this book where I'd write, I fed Penelope on the left for five minutes and then she had such and such amount of top-ups and then McKenna was on the right. And it was just like this crazy book, which I ended up sharing a photo of one day and people were like, whoa, <laughs> like, it's just crazy to think that that's what you have to do. Yeah, so is that to remind yourself or is that for like any health professionals that were helping you at the time with your milk? No, it was just for ourselves, just so that we could keep <laughs> up with it. They were both on, when you have little babies, they have iron and um, vitamins as well. So it was to like know when we'd given them their iron and their vitamins and everything too. So, yeah. So you said you did that for like two to three months or so? Yeah. So when they were uh, 10 weeks old, I think, we noticed that because every time I fed them add in there we were using nipple shields because they had both had a really poor latch and I just couldn't get them to latch without a nipple shield which I had learned to put on properly by this time I'll just add in um so I just noticed that every time I would feed them they would be dribbling so much milk out the side of their mouth and so I was like why is that and I ended up speaking to my cousin about it the midwife 
and um, she mentioned tongue ties and things and we checked them for those but then we noticed that they had an upper lip tie so their lip was tied very low down on um, where their teeth go and so that meant that they couldn't get a good um, wide open mouth and a good latch so we ended up taking them to have the lips snipped which was horrible because they had to snip them and then for like five days afterwards we had to keep rubbing it so that it wouldn't reattach that was awful um, and I was really hoping that that would be our our ticket out of it sort of thing that that would you know be the kicker to get them feeding better but after a couple of weeks they were still just um, not really feeding well Penelope started to refuse breastfeeds she um, just wouldn't she'd go on for like a couple of minutes and then she just didn't want to feed at all McKenna was quite good she was quite a good little feeder and I did feed her a lot more than Penelope. She was a lot more efficient and she would get up if she got up in the night. Um, when Penelope didn't, I'd like quickly give her a feed. And so we started talking about whether we um, stopped feeding, like whether I stopped feeding Penelope and just give her the express milk but, and then just focus on feeding McKenna. But it just didn't sit right with me. I didn't, I felt like, I should be doing both, but you know, the same thing for both of them. So um, I sort of flagged that idea. Um, but yeah, when they were three months, it just all became too much. I was so exhausted and I wasn't able to do anything without another person helping me. So when Ant went back to work, um, his mum and my mum would sort of tag team. They'd be there till like seven o'clock at night. Um, and then, um, eventually it became just my mum and she was there every day and then she got offered a job and I was like I can't you know have mum here all the time these are my babies I need to do it by myself and my mum needs to go and do her own thing um, and so that's when it just all became so hard and I was missing out spending any time with Macy because all my time was completely occupied sitting on the couch pumping and feeding um, and that's when I decided to just stop feeding them and just focus on pumping for them. And um, that's what I did. And I did that for a couple of weeks. And then my milk supply just completely dropped off. And I just went, this is just too hard. And so I ended up just stopping feeding them all together when they were just over three months. And that was the end of our our feeding with them um, but I was lucky to have because I'd done so much pumping I had like a freezer load of milk and um, the Plunkett nurse was amazing and she was like look it doesn't matter how long or how much milk they have she's like just stretch it out as long as you can because it's the length of time that they have the milk that's beneficial so I ended up just giving them one express milk bottle a day and that lasted until they were over four months. Um, and then, so yeah, the rest of the time they were having formula. And then, yeah, once that ran out, it was a bit of a sad day. <laughs> but um, yeah, they just went fully onto formula and, and that was it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's not it. The formula's just as important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that, did they have the same troubles as Maisie with the um, reflux or anything? No, they were fine with the reflux, but um, they had both had really bad tummy problems, even when I was um, breastfeeding them. Um, and so we ended up getting some tests and things done, and they were both a bit intolerant to dairy. 
So we swapped them onto a goat's milk formula, which is about $40 a tin. <laughs> so that was expensive. Times two. two babies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah, we kept them on that until they were probably almost one. Um, and yeah, they were they were great on the on the bottles. I ended up um, a friend gave me it's meant to be a breastfeeding pillow, but we ended up using it for bottles. Um, it's called a twin Z pillow, and you put one on each side, and then I'd feed them, or I'd have them on my lap, one on each lap, lying there and feeding, and it was just always babies and bottles everywhere. So many bottles, we just had like bottles for Africa. They were everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, and they're all less than you weren't like washing them three times a day. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, we just, yeah, our house was just like a bottle sterilizing machine. They were just <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't mind me asking, how was your mental health that time round with your twins? It was much better until a point, maybe they were about eight months old. Um, and it wasn't the same as with Macy, but I just had like a burnout. So I was just so exhausted from everything, like a twin pregnancy is so hard on your body. And then just the whole first three months was crazy. And then, yeah, the pretty much the first six months of twins is just like crazy the whole time. Plus then we had a two-year-old to run around after as well. Um, so I just kind of hit a point where I was just, I just felt really low and just really um, just burnt out and so I ended up going to my doctor and saying look I am just I want to go back on those same meds that I had with Macy just before it gets bad like I didn't feel depressed or anything but I just felt like I needed them to help me get through the day kind of thing but I was on a really low dose and um, by the time they were 18 months I'd completely weaned myself off of them I was you know it just, it just I just needed help to get through that really awful patch where I just didn't have the energy to survive really <laughs> it was survival mode yeah a lot of mums talk about the survival mode <laughs> yeah yeah then you talk about George being your surprise baby <laughs> yeah so we'd kind of like after having twins we were like right we've got three kids we're we're done um and then we sort of felt like we weren't done so we had talked about having another baby, but we are currently building a house. So we were like, look, we'll talk about it when we've built the house and everything. Um, and then George came along. Um, <laughs> I just found out I was pregnant and, and he was on his way and, and that was it. But um, yeah, we were, we were never like annoyed about it or anything. We were pretty excited. It was, the timing wasn't great, but when is the timing ever great when you have a baby, you know? <laughs> So at the moment, we're all squeezed into our little three-bedroom house. <laughs> yeah, and so how did your pregnancy with him go? Was he born early as well? No, so my pregnancy with him went so much better. Um, I ended up having him at almost 39 weeks, and I was very over it. I was like, get out, because I think when you've had only early babies, you hit sort of 37 weeks, and you're like, right, evicted, get out. You are, you are fine to come out now. So, yeah, I was well and truly over over him being in there. Um, and, yeah, wanted a VBAC again and um, worked with my midwife for that. Um, and then I ended up going into labour with him and he I was sick. I didn't know I was sick, but I went into the hospital and I had um, a temperature and he had like a two 
100 beat per minute heart rate and so they were like he needs to come out now and I was like that's fine and they did my platelet checks and um, they were really low they were at 55 which means you can't have an epidural so they told me that I had to have a um, general anaesthetic which they had pre-warned me about during the later part of my pregnancy and I was devastated about but on the day I was just like right it's okay like I can't do anything about it and yeah, it actually ended up being, even though I wasn't awake for it, it ended up being my most empowering birth because I felt really listened to because my midwife was there in the room and she knew that I wanted the, um, you know, delayed cord clamping and, and baby on the chest straight away and blah, blah, blah. And obviously I couldn't have a lot of that stuff, but she made sure that as soon as I was awake, he was right there on my chest and we had skin to skin and um, it was just so lovely, even though I was so spaced out. It was just like kind of really healing for me to have that with him. Yeah, I'm so happy to hear you got to enact in some of those empowering choices for yourself that, you know, you and your midwife negotiated to be able to happen. So that's so good. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. And then can you put them on the breast that soon after an anaesthetic? Yeah. So um, I had worked with her for the whole pregnancy. I said to her, like, breastfeeding is super important to me. If I had to pick between a VBAC and and good breastfeeding, I would pick (laughs) good breastfeeding hands down. So um, she had done everything she could to help me. I am... had expressed again antenatally and we started that early again at 34 weeks because I'd had previous early babies and I collected 300 mils of colostrum like crazy I can't believe how much I collected but anyway um and but we forgot to take it into the hospital go figure because it was just you know I was in labor and I forgot um but anyway when so when I was in recovery and had George and um, he got to have skin to skin with George and fed him some of the colostrum that I had then collected at the hospital when I was waiting to go into into the operating theatre. I'd collected some more and so he fed him that and then as soon as I was awake they let my midwife know and then her and Ant came down with George and um, she sort of unwrapped him, put him on my chest and he just started feeding straight away. He was so different to the girls. He just latched on and fed and he fed for probably 20 minutes, I think. Um, and then he fell asleep and I was like, okay, you need to take him because I'm going to drop him otherwise because I was starting to fall asleep myself. But yeah, he was absolutely fine to feed straight away. Yeah, was it so you say it was quite a difference? Um, can you describe any further, like how different it was to have those, you know, different babies feeding so soon? Yeah, well, it was just like he was still he was still quite little, um, so I was a bit worried that he would not latch on well either because the girls, all being little, had not latched on very well. But he just like went straight on there and just fed, and I could hear him gulping away, and it was just. I just felt so amazing. I like lay there crying. It was just <laughs> just the most amazing experience to have that. And I feel like it was actually my baby as well. Because sometimes when, well, I felt like the others, you're sort of, it's a bit out of body because someone else is doing everything for you. And it's, it doesn't really feel like your baby. But because he was on me and feeding from me, he felt like my baby. So it was just 
so surreal. Yeah, wow. I'm so glad you got to have an experience like that yeah. <laughs> in the end. <laughs> and then how did that first kind of week go with him? Did you need to supplement at all? Um, so when we um, went up to the ward and everything, I just um, continued to just feed him on demand. And on the second day, I was giving him top-ups and had brought in the, some of the colostrum and I was giving him top-ups from the syringe. Um, only because he was so hungry, he was just wanting to feed all the time and um, my boobs were just so sore. And then we noticed that um, he had a tongue tie um, and so we pointed that out to Nikki and she was like, oh yeah, we'll see what it's like when he's when we transfer you because I was going up to the Walkworth birthing unit. Um, and by the time I got there, I went on day, I spent two nights in the hospital. Um, my boobs were pretty raw so one of them in particular was like bleeding it was so bad and so I sort of powered through feeding him for another day and then I just was like oh, I need to use a nipple shield or something because my boobs were just so sore um, and so we ended up getting a shield and I had the right size and everything so that was fine knew how to use it that was great um, and then the next day I woke up and I was engorged like I had these huge engorged boobs and I had never ever had that before and I was like took a picture and sent them to Ange and I was like oh my god look at my boobs I just it looked like I'd had like a breast implant it was so it's so good (laughs) (laughs) but it was also like so I was like oh I'm doing it like I'm really doing it this is me doing it all by myself um we had done the plan with Nikki that after 24 hours I was going to start John Peridone just to kickstart everything and so when she came and saw me and I was like oh my god I'm engorged she was like stop taking the John Peridone you don't need it so we like weaned that right back to like two a day or something and um within a couple of weeks I wasn't even having any so yeah it was amazing yeah but that was a great feeling yeah 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 and he um definitely had a tongue tie and so um, when we got discharged from the birthing unit they um, gave us a lactation consultant in Auckland that deals with tongue ties and so we made an appointment and we went and saw her when he was like seven days old um, and she snipped it and then um, we talked to the other lady she worked with um, about getting good latch and all that sort of stuff he was quite reluctant to feed without the shield. And so we, she, the other lady who was also a lactation consultant was like, just keep feeding with the shield. It's fine. He'll learn. It doesn't matter. Um, and so that's what we did. Um, and we just continued with that for ages and he was fine. Um, and then I tried to wean him off the shield, which was not going very well. And then I got thrush in one of my boobs, which was it makes it feel like you're having razor blades every time you get a letdown. Um, and so I ended up continuing with the shields because of that. Um, and then we sort of got into this routine of just like the shields were staying. And so <laughs> so I was a bit like oh, annoying, but at the same time I was feeding my baby myself and I was like, I don't really care. I was like, I'll use it till he's one, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I remember the um trying to 
shuffle around in the night on the bedside table for the shield <laughs> without turning the light on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And trying to attach you. a shield in a mall or something is quite <laughs> yeah. quite hard, like trying to do it discreetly without anyone looking. So, yeah, I got quite good at it. Yeah. Um, quite, quite good at putting the shield on without anyone noticing. Mm. And with the thrush, did you get treatment for it? Yeah, so I went to the doctor and she gave me um, that oral thrush treatment that you take for normal thrush and some cream. And then I just had to give him some probiotics because um, he was might be ingesting it as well. Um, and that was it. It took probably a good week for it to go away. So you get like quite a red nipple and it gets like a white spot on the end of it. So yeah, it was about a good week for that to go. And then the razor blade let down feeling took even longer. It was probably a couple of weeks before that went away. Um, so I was glad when that was gone. And then um, with George, how did it kind of go with the breastfeeding? So were you on demand breastfeeding through the night and stuff like that? Yeah, so um, always on demand with him and he was pretty good when he was a newborn he I mean I was exhausted because he was waking like two or three times a night or something but um he was a very slow feeder like each feed would take about an hour and a half it was like a really really long feed and he'd fall asleep all the time and I'd have to wake him up and so I was so exhausted and I just remember feeling like my bum was never going to feel the same again because I felt like I just spent so much time sitting down I was like I'm going to get like a flat bum um, but yeah, no, he was, he, he eventually got faster, but it took a long time for him to speed up. He was probably four months before he got under an hour per feed, I'd say. Oh, wow. And after all these, um, I mean, wonderful, we all love our kids, but you know, you've got three other older kids as well and you're sitting on your bump for an hour feeding. How did that kind of go? How did you juggle that? Um, well, unfortunately, my kids had to watch quite a bit of TV and <laughs> we ended up just like the house was always a mess because there was just toys everywhere. And But luckily, um, it was like once he was oh, a, couple, a month or two old, it was better weather. So we were able to send them out to the trampoline and they'd just spend hours out there and riding their bikes and stuff like that as well. But yeah, those first those first six weeks or so, it was a lot of TV time and there was nothing that could be done about it when there's four of them. <laughs> Man, they'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. My mum helped a bit again as well. So mum, um, I'm so lucky that she um, isn't working. So she was able to come and, and help during the day. And so she did all the school run for me and, and kindy pickups and all that sort of stuff. And then she'd um, come and help and every now and then I'd get to go and have a sleep and stuff like that so that was really good. Yeah and it might be hard to summarise um, this across you know four slash three <laughs> um, journeys of yours but how helpful was Ant with all of that and what ways was he able to help you? He is amazing he's like such a natural dad when I met him I knew that he would be a good dad and he really is like he just He's never, ever not jumped in and helped. Like, I've never had to ask him for anything. He just does it. When I had Macy, I um, went, the first time I went to have a shower, I went in there and I forgot to take a pad with me. And I was like, oh, my God, I've forgotten to take a pad. 
and I was like bleeding everywhere and he's like it's okay and he came like running in almost like a superhero like opening this pad and like swooped in and like caught the blood underneath <laughs> on this pad and I was just like oh my god he's amazing <laughs> and that kind of like sums up him as a dad like he just gets stuck in and he does it I'm sure sometimes he thinks my ideas are a bit crazy but he just does it <laughs> oh that's so lovely and was there anyone else who was really helpful maybe like you talked about blanket nurses um and oh, you had midwives like your cousin was a midwife and anyone else that maybe you haven't mentioned um with George definitely the midwife I had um it, I, it was actually the first time I had had midwife-led care and it was so different because you really get that um that one-on-one with them and I I, you know, developed such a good relationship with her and I felt like she really listened to me. I felt like my my desire to want to breastfeed George was really heard and, and she was all on board for everything. So definitely her, um, yeah, and, and with the twins, it would have been that midwife. I never felt judged by her for my choices or anything. Whereas with Macy, when I'd moved back from Australia, and she was formula fed. I actually felt quite judged by um, some of the Plunkett nurses. Um, they were like, oh, that's a shame. And, and just little snide comments like that, which I was like, it's not a shame. Like she's healthy and thriving and you don't know what we've been through. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really nice to have a completely different experience with Plunkett with the twins. Yeah. Oh, that's good to hear though. Things were most of the time (laughs) pretty good yeah and supportive so George is 10 months old now yes yeah and are you still feeding him today (laughs) yep yep still still feeding him so yeah he um my I sort of set myself goals the whole way along my first goal was like six weeks and then three months and then six months and once we hit six months, I was like, oh, I'm not going to set goals anymore. We'll just go until it doesn't work anymore for, for him or for me. But, um, yeah, at the moment, there's, I don't see any end in sight for us. We'll just keep going as we're going. When he was just before five months, we were still using shields, and I had tried numerous times to stop using them. But I realised that he had quite a shallow latch. So every time I would try and feed him without a shield, my nipple would end up really like squashed and like have this white line across it, which I read about was a shallow latch. So um, a friend of mine sent me this link for a different type of um, latch technique to latch a baby on. And I tried it and it worked amazing. And I just kind of went cold turkey and that was that. And he's not used a nipple shield ever since. And he's got four teeth now and I was worried that like I'd like chicken out and want to go back to using the shield but um no so yeah we're we're kind of like we just feed now he just pops on by himself and it's great oh yay that sounds so lovely it's nice when it can go smoothly it doesn't always yeah. as you know but it's yeah. good when it can <laughs> yeah no it's definitely been a completely different experience and I I think going through like having babies that are like Macy that was formula fed from such a young age and then George who's the complete opposite like I'm just so pro fed is best like I just never think that you should ever make judgment on anyone how they feed their baby because you have no idea what they've been through or or how they've come to that 
style of feeding. So, um, yeah, I just think it's just, just feed your babies. Just feed them. Yeah. And I think feeding is such an extension of love. Like you feed them and you spend all this time with them and you work so hard to feed them sometimes because you love them so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the, the whole, like you, when people say, um, you'll only bond with your baby if you breastfeed them is so not true. Like you can lock eyes with your baby when you're feeding them a bottle and it's such a loving moment. And I've had so many moments like that with my three girls over the years. And, um, you know, like Macy liked to, to be fed her bottle. She didn't like to hold it. Even when she was like 18 months, she wanted to lie there in your arms and you hold the bottle and she'd gaze up into your eyes. And, it, you know, she's such a loving little girl and we have such a lovely bond. So the feeding did nothing for that. That's just, that's just her and I, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm so thankful that you shared that. That's so wonderful. So at the end of the podcast, we like to ask everyone if there was any wisdom that you have that you would love to share with people who might be in a similar situation to you. So probably the first one is don't be so hard on yourself. So I was very, very hard on myself after Macy and I carried so much guilt about it when I shouldn't have, you know, like it just, it didn't work out the way I'd planned and so then that's why I was hard on myself. But it's kind of like, you can't plan. You've just got to plan to not plan, I suppose. Just go with it. And, and yeah, if things don't go to plan, just talk about it. Find some people that can be there to support you and get you through it. But it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, if, if, if your feeding journey doesn't go down the path that you want it to go down, it's okay. You're still going to have an amazing relationship with your baby and in 15 years time they're all going to be sitting around the table eating rubbish food and no one's going to know who has been breastfed and who has been bottle fed a friend told me that and when she said that to me I was like that is so true like why did I never think of that <laughs> and yeah the other thing would definitely be advocate for yourself so um I think with George, that's probably the difference, particularly in my mental health this time, I've been absolutely fine. And it's because I really advocated for myself through the pregnancy with how I wanted the birth to go and how I wanted the feeding to go. And um, I, I just made sure that people listened to me. And, you know, that was the medical professionals, but also my family as well. Like I was like, you know, this is, this is how I want it to go. If it doesn't go that way, that's okay. But I need to do this for myself and I need you to help me in any way that you can. So yeah, just make sure that you're, that you're heard in everything in your feeding and in your, your, how you want your pregnancy and care and all that sort of stuff. Like just say how you want it to go. Absolutely. And it's a great point that you raise around your family. Like it sounds like your family were wonderful and supportive, but also they need a bit of direction at times. And yeah, to say that, you know, just yeah. having being heard by your family is just as important as being heard by your midwife or your doctor or whoever else. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your stories. It actually has been so wonderful to speak to you about all of this and you have so much wisdom from a number of these experiences that have 
taken so much growth and so much time for you to adjust and it's wonderful to hear you speak so openly about your mental health and about your relationship and everything that kind of came along with all of these experiences so thank you so much for spending this time with us today <laughs> to talk about it thank you thank you so much for having me no it's a pleasure <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no thank you for getting in touch 